0: I'm Aaron Schlein and I'm here to help you turn your love of travel into a thriving business and a dream life. This is Dramatic Travels Entrepreneurs. Yo ho my friend, it's Aaron and you have landed on episode number 25 of Dramatic Travels Entrepreneurs. My friend, podcasting plays a huge part in my dream life and it can do the same for you. Unleash the power of your voice and start your podcasting journey today. Head over to dramaticpodcasting.com. You can read my story and enroll in my free podcasting mini course to help you start your podcasting journey the right way. That's dramaticpodcasting.com. Notes for this episode are available at DramaticTravels.com slash E25. Off we go with today's guests. Today on Dramatic Travels Entrepreneurs, we are joined by Mike and Anne Howard, who are joining us from Roatan, Honduras. Mike and Ann are the founders of Honey Trek, which is an acclaimed travel website and social platform with 225,000 followers. Mike and Ann are the authors of National Geographic's first book on couples' adventure travel called Ultimate Journeys for Two. And as a couple, Mike and Ann have explored 520 regions in 54 countries across all seven continents, which is all part of the world's longest honeymoon. And in addition to their website, Mike and Ann are also authors, public speakers, and have appeared on dozens of major media outlets all over Planet Earth. You can find Mike and Ann at honeytrek.com. Mike and Ann, what a bio. What an intro. Welcome to Dramatic <laughs> <Japan laughs> Travels Entrepreneurs.
1: Thanks for having us.
2: Yeah, it's
0: good to be here. Awesome. Roatan, Honduras. So, just for folks out there in podcast land, those sound those are not canned sound effects. That actually is the ocean you're hearing. What are you guys doing down there?
1: Ah, uh, well, our... Toes are in the sand and uh, chatting with you as we are actually doing a three-month house sit. We're taking care of a little beach bungalow with an ocean view and two sweet cats. House sitting has actually been a really great way to, to run a business and have a real office while having an exotic background and a little bit of that travel inspiration when you actually still have to hunker down.
0: Let's just start right there because that that's fascinating and may not be something that comes to mind when you're thinking of ways to to keep traveling and keep on the road while you're running a business. So just talk about how, that house sitting option.
2: So house sitting kind of falls under one of our one of our big mantras, and I'm just going to jump right to it for anybody listening um, with maybe my best tip, which is a pretty rare one. Like everyone's worried about a side hustle and how much money they're going to make from affiliate deals and where they, who they can write for and how they can get paid to travel. And they're focused on all these things. Um, and I think that's because they're coming from a traditional life where they have an apartment or a mortgage and they're coming from the nine to five where they need to make six figures a year to pay for them and their wife or their kid or whatever. And like, we like to think think of it as a a two-way street. Obviously we like to, to earn as much income as we can, but we spend almost as much time thinking about how much income we can save or how much money we can save and not need to spend, so we need to earn less income and can have more fun. Um, so I think it's important to think about that in in general, and not just where this income can come from, but how I can live a different lifestyle and adapt to that.
1: Yeah, and- bringing your burn rate down is a huge secret of success for an entrepreneur, especially as you're you're getting getting started.
2: And house sitting is, if you haven't heard of it, just Google house sitting or over on Honey Trek, we have a link in the navigation with our favorite websites and how to build a profile. In a nutshell, you kind of have a little resume online and you search for house sits all around the world or homeowners can search you out if they've heard of you through friends or they read your profile and you can practically choose any country in the world. Any length of time you can choose if you want cats or plants or dogs or we've watched rabbits before and we've watched goats like we've done all sorts of stuff from New York City to Croatia and now we're in Honduras and it's just a really cool way not only to save money but also to to really live like a local because you're going to watch somebody's home. And they're going to introduce you to their friends when you first show up, and usually overlap for a day or two. And they should meet, introduce you to the neighbors. And
1: and the gig is usually that it's a pure barter. So there are some websites where you can get websites where you can get paid to house it. But personally, we think that changes the social dynamic. It's not about you being you know cheap labor. It's about you having a friendship and doing each other a favor. So in exchange for free lodging and utilities, and utilities, and oftentimes it's come with a car and their cell phone and just incredible access, um, you look after their place and it usually comes with a pet, but you can specify. So it doesn't. And it's, it's, these sites are great because you can truly drill down to to your interests and your uh, time frame to find the right fit for you.
0: Well, I love that. Just that it's an exchange of value. And when you break it down to its core, you're just exchanging value with someone, whether it's a stranger or a friend, you talked about that breaking out of that conventional mindset that many folks have. So tell me, Tell me a little more about your background. What mindset, where did you come from and how did you develop the mindset that you have today? Was it always there?
2: You can say where you came from.
1: Uh, So, I mean, I always knew I wanted to be a writer ever since I was like, could pick up a pen and, uh, went to live in New York city, the heart of the publishing world and worked in magazines and went from, you know, intern work in the fashion closet in style to executive editor of ldecor.com. And so mostly I started interior design, lifestyle magazines, and then, um, you know, met Mike in New York.
2: Yeah. And then my background is I went to Carnegie out in Pittsburgh for undergrad and I started a social network there. This was 1999. So about five years before facebook launched and uh, we almost did as well as them but uh, we ran kiwi box which was our community for 11 years uh and then exited in 2009 uh so that definitely taught me a lot about social media and running communities and just and creating content which is kind of what we do now
1: and mike is really like he's never been the kind of guy to have you know a a a job where he gets works for the man and he started his own business as like an eight-year-old running a button business to then buying his own hot dog wagon and hustling (laughs) soccer fields around his hometown in the Poconos so (laughs) you know he he's never been one to sit still and uh take orders (laughs) I think like
2: another thing about like just thinking differently part of like what we what we hope we inspire people to do and and part of what keeps us going is just kind of like breaking that mold and doing things differently than you're expected to do them and like I really personally get off on that and being like wow well, can we live on twenty dollars a day and and might like shirk sure, at that some of the choices we have to make to do that but it's like hey let's do a year and see if we can house it around the world on twenty dollars a day including our flights so that's turned us into a frequent flyer hacker so we haven't had to pay for a flight in about five years so like that's another way to to save on that money so just seeing like people get inspired by that and like, look at the way we live and say, wow, I can do that. Maybe I don't need to be at this nine to five, even if my side hustle isn't making me 50 grand, if it's making me 20 grand, or if I have savings that I can live off, like there's, there's ways to do this and chase this dream and put some heart and soul into it. Um, and kind of inspiring people kind of keeps us going and finding new avenues to, to hack that.
0: Well, you guys have truly have a, a special partnership, uh, business partnership, of course, and then the life partnership. Let's go back to to that, and you breezed over it just for a second about how you guys met. Tell me that. Tell me that story of how you guys met, and then we'll talk more about how you concocted the plan that you're living out right now. How'd you guys meet?
1: So we have very different versions of this story. I want them both, Mike. Uh, thinks I was courting him and I thought he was courting me. And uh, we Obviously, know- we know which one of those right, is true, right. listeners. I kind of told him, like, uh, sorry, buddy, not interested. And then his persistence, uh, I-, I realized that I-, I was actually falling in love. So oh. we met playing volleyball in New York City. And we were purely teammates, in my mind. So we well, in both season. of our minds, we
2: started to yeah, play, yeah. like, we were equally level, like a pretty high-level volleyball, but just co-ed doubles and we went the whole season without dating or anything. And... Then I kind of saw through this facade of I'm not interested, and but not you know persistence.
1: In it's, it's like a heart of an entre- entrepreneur in a, in a subtle way,
2: and some fun text messages. And then I organized a little rafting trip that fell through with her girlfriends.
1: Actually, there's a huge theme to travel. Is that when I was like, no, we're we're just friends. He was like, but what if he, you want to come on this like amazing rafting trip, and maybe we'll like road trip and like. Take a and to Nantucket, and then you know. So he, he, I, I liked his spirit of adventure, and I think actually that's ultimately what made me fall for him.
2: Nice, and that I had a car in New York
0: City. So that yes,
1: it was a 1990 Volvo that really like revs an engine like Ferrari. So that that did it for <laughs> me.
0: Was it a, was it the wagon or the coupe, Mike? Oh, it was a wagon,
2: 240 DL limo, tint windows, and two 12-inch kickers.
1: Yeah, yeah, speakers took up pretty much the entire trunk.
0: <laughs> Probably the sexiest wagon on the planet, if you ask me. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know it. We could go down a, a pretty uh, illicit path there, but I'm going to bring it back here to <laughs> at least the PG-13 rated version of this this show. Whether you're realizing it or not, you're falling in love, and so just let's flash forward to 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 this world's longest honeymoon. Take us to the to the beginning of that of that journey and just that first, com- what was that first conversation where you thought maybe this was something we can do?
1: It was, well, you, uh, I was not invited to this bachelor party at Oktoberfest in Germany, but, uh, Mike came back with an incredible story that just blew our minds. If you yeah. want to tell it. Yeah.
2: Basically over, uh, a couple of steins of, of beer at Oktoberfest is my buddy's stag party. I met one of his friends who had just got back from a 12 month trip around the world. And he went to 18 countries and this was in 2011, and he just went to eight, he went to 18 countries in a year, and it cost him around $90 US per day for two people. All of his flights, all of his lodging, booze, visas, gear, everything that he spent cost him under like around $90. And and we were I,
1: living in New York, and like our rent was our rent was
2: yeah. a, like 105 so a day to do nothing
1: just to have a roof over your head. Like how dull. So we just,
2: yeah, we just kind of like looked at that number and we're like, we're making all this money so that we can spend $105 a day in rent to sit in our apartment. And this guy went around the world for $90 a day for two people, flights and everything included. And we were like, we have got to get on that because life is just, life is short. People hold off on this dream, whether it's chasing a business or chasing A new life or travel and they just hold off thinking that I'm going to save a little bit more and I get a little more stable and eventually it'll happen or maybe when I retire at 55, hopefully I don't die at 56. But if I don't, I'll go around the world. And
1: And a honeymoon was a a perfect excuse. We were thinking like, wow, there are so many experiences we want to have in our lifetime. And it's just not adding up here with 10 day vacations. Like you need to carve out the time to have not vacation life experiences, like make memories together, especially as a couple starting out, it travel is an incredible foundation for a marriage. When you go through some hard times on the road, but you always come out on top with funny stories and, you know, a deeper connection. And we just thought, Hey, like what better time than now? We're young, we're healthy. Um, and let's let's do it. So we put a plan in motion, and I think that that guy's budget was really key because it became like tangible. You're like, we could save for that. We could make a plan. We can't leave tomorrow, but we can start saving now. And you know, we had some a bit of a nest egg for other things like a car, how, you know, you know, but that wasn't a priority. You know, these experiences were a priority. So within about a year and a half, we hunkered down, saved, 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 and said, by before our first year anniversary, we will be on the road, uh, on this one year honeymoon. Now we budget for one year. Let me
2: talk about the savings first. Like the two other things that we saved, like we obviously saved cash and Ann said we had, we had an SDG and a savings account. Uh, we've yet to dip into the 401k that we had, but, um, And hopefully we don't have to now with Honey Trek. But the two other things that we saved or learned, which took us about a year, one was a lot of frequent flyer miles. Like I said, we're kind of mileage hackers. So we saved up uh, around 450,000 miles during that year, which paid for a lot of our long-haul flights, most of them. And the other thing that we did over that year was just soak up as much knowledge as we could from other people who'd done around-the-world trips and read blogs and books. Um, Shout out to Rolf Potts. Uh, we were just hanging out with at TravelCon, and and his book was really inspiring. So like we just yeah vagabonding. So we learned a ton of stuff, and we can maybe we can talk about that later as one of our one of our side hustles. But Trip Coach is where we're actually one on one coaches. Nothing's you know it's not like a pre-recorded course that you take or email course. It's just us and people on the phone, and we try and impart all of that knowledge that we soaked up over that previous year and then the last seven years on the road. Because it was um,
1: scary. I mean, it sounds so dreamy to go around the world, but you're like, how will that really work? Will I, you know, go broke? Will I get robbed? What if we get sick? What if we hate each other? Like, how is this going to go? Do
2: I book all my hotels so, from yeah, New York like, City? So many
1: logistics, like, of pretty much wrapping up your life. And it's very hard to put your life on hold and, and take a trip. There's always something ticking in the background, a bill, a, a forgotten, you know, payment here or whatever. and it, it's, it's a lot to wrap your head around. So, Um, you know, we reached out within our own community to, to figure out how to do that. And now we try and pay it forward and do that for other people.
0: Well, the longer you wait to take a, to take a journey like that, to take a leap like that, the harder it is to actually Mm -hmm. pull the trigger on. I, I know that firsthand, And I'm sure there are a lot of folks out there in podcast land who do it well as well. So you're going out on this one year trip and you talked about some of this, this knowledge and wisdom you picked up along the way. Was this something strategic where you were actively seeking ways to stay on the road or was it just sort of something you absorbed through the people you met?
1: I mean, we were, we were, we had within three months We're like a year is not going to be enough. So that alone was motivation to figure out how to bring our burn rate down, and just uh, and also some of the we also realized some of the more affordable and free experiences we were having were some of the most rewarding. So it wasn't like we really have to scrape by and just eat, you know, stale bread to to make it. It would be found opportunities like woofing, where willing workers on organic farms, where in exchange for room and board and an amazing cultural experience and learning new skills, we were able to have zero expenses of those those essential things of room and board so and you know brings your transportation rates down because you're sticking around for you know a week to a month
2: which is especially awesome if people out there want to visit more expensive countries like australia we did woofing in japan you can do it in norway you can do it in you know any expensive country has farms and woofing and it's also a very different experience than they're used to having in state norway um but or japan you know to live and work on a farm but um and the last samurai was pretty much my inspiration for wanting to woof in Japan and it was amazing but that's just a little a fun little hack to do a very expensive country even cheaper than you can do southeast asia uh is find some some of those more local experiences yeah. where
1: work away is another big one where it's a, it can be anything it's sometimes farming but it might be you know uh, working at a summer camp or doing being an, an assistant vineyard. yoga teacher or Uh, There's some really interesting opportunities on there. Work away and help us.
0: Well, there's a very, very important mindset shift or very important mindset issue that you bring up here, and I think it's important for a lot of folks to really, really listen. And, and focus in on all the things you said, because whether you're talking about farming or house sitting or, or yoga or olive farm, wh- whatever, those are all kind of thinking outside the box with a, with a mindset of abundance, that there's always an opportunity to, to acquire more resources as opposed to the stale bread analogy you use, which I think is the mindset a lot of people go into, not just travel, but life in general with. It's like, I've only got this finite amount of resources that every, the world's trying to take from me. And I have to protect it and I have to just consume less, consume less, consume less to thrive where you guys are saying we can consume what we need, travel do the things we need to do and find ways to to live and, and do the res- and acquire the resources we need to live so that's a really important mindset Absolutely. whether you, whether you meant to kind of impart that wisdom or not I think it's really important for folks to hear.
1: And also, many of us, many of the people listening probably are content creators in some way, shape, or form, be it a blog or an Instagram account. It is incredible fodder for inspiring stories. And you're having an atypical experience versus, you know, the banana pancake trail around Southeast Asia. So it kind of sets you apart, too, having taken that other path.
2: And I think, like, an important thing is that a lot of your success... And a lot of your happiness, no matter if you are eating stale bread, you know, in a hostel on the banana pancake trail, or you're having an amazing woofing experience, or even a crappy woofing experience in Japan, is the mindset that you go into with that there's good and happiness to be found no matter what you're doing. If you go into it with that attitude, you could be in the crappiest hostel eating stale bread and still find somebody else fun next to you eating crappy stale bread and play a game of cards or grab a beer together and hear their story. Like, but as soon as you start like, oh, woe is me, I don't have enough money to do this. Someone on Instagram is doing something prettier than me, or my friends are making six figures, or at least they say they are from their blog, and I'm making $2,000 a year. Like, as soon as you have that woe is me, then everything is going to be woe is me. It'll never be good enough. You know, even if you do make six figures, you're like, well, some other bloggers making a million. I saw like there you need to find a way to to be happy and like to find value in all of those experiences. And like Ann said, that's amazing fodder, those really unique experiences. And there's really beautiful people that are on these websites that are opening up these experiences to travelers. And it's all about that like human connection and finding love wherever you go. And if you can do that. Like you're gonna succeed no matter how much money you make or where you wanna live in the world, because that's the true skill, not how well you can run an affiliate program or set up an email funnel. But it's like finding that happiness wherever you are in whatever experience you're in will just do wonders for a successful business.
0: Beautiful beautifully said, Mike. Tell me so tell me about Talk, talking about the business side and keeping it, just you know, you knew you needed to create something sustainable. So tell me about that that point along the journey where you just you committed, you went all in on the idea that we're going to do everything we can to generate the right kind of income to to stay on the road. And then tell me how that how Honey Trek and everything in the Honey Trek ecosystem grew out of that.
1: Well, I think the first two, we have kind of chapters of Honey Check. The first two years, because we did think we were going to have to come home, we went big and we traveled fast. We went, uh, what was it, 33 countries mm-hmm. in, in 22 months and uh, you know, moving almost every two days. And that that is, even though we were finding many crafty ways to do this affordably, the more the faster you travel, the, the more money you spend. So we were like, whoa, if we want to make this work and also have the energy to keep going, we need to find something that feels more sustainable. And as we talked about house sitting, that was our next chapter. I mean, we the next year we house sat in, in 10 different countries. So it still fed our wanderlust while letting us kind of reevaluate the business and sit still and make a plan. So. Um,
2: and I think on Honey Truck, like that, well, this idea of like, a honeymoon, you know, a trek around the world with your honey kind of thing. So it's a little bit romantic. It's a little bit adventurous. And it's just a name we came up with, and it was available. And uh, and we started out our trip, like most bloggers do, just share with family and friends, and also another value for us, which people don't talk about too often. But Your blog, when you come back, which we assumed we were going to go back to New York and go back to our nine-to-nine lives, since nine-to-five is no (laughs) longer a thing, but, you know, go back to the nine-to-nine, we knew we couldn't just go back with a tan, a flip-flop tan, and be like, check out these photos of me drinking beer on a beach in Thailand. The last year was awesome. We wanted to come back with something on our resume and say, hey, we built a brand that has 30,000 followers on social media. Here's our blog, here's Ann's writing, here's Mike's photography, here's a business that we built, and, you know, that's a, a line item on our resume and not, like, a shameful year gap that, you know, oh, what'd you do for the last year? Well, we did this experience, what do you think? And so that's partly, like, why we built Honey Trek, and then after we were on the road, people started being like, wow, this is a cool niche, like World's Longest Honeymoon, um, which, little side tangent, having a niche or something that turns people's ear towards you when you talk to them in the elevator or in the hostel is is a good litmus test if you've got some staying power. Because if the girl or guy who's just traveling and likes beautiful beaches, there's hundreds of thousands of them out there trying to make money. But the girl...
1: you own that. Unless you own that, and, that own that and it's, it's there. It's and, about the generalist approach doesn't work as well anymore because there's just too many travel bloggers.
2: Exactly. But if you pitch a spa in Bali and you say, Hey, my website is, you know, spa travel girl and I have, you know, 40,000 followers. Well, they know it's a very niche following. That's going to follow the spa travel girl and Spa
1: travel gal is actually gal. a friend Ava. She's done a really good job with her niche.
2: Exactly. And you have a lot higher success rate than, you know, Jim broke backpacker saying, Hey, I'd like a two night stay and you know, a couple of comp spa sessions. Cause I want to write about you. Well, you know, that your brand and your niche matter a lot. And obviously you don't want to do something that's not true to you. But for us, like that honeymoon slash like adventure sideways, just who we are.
1: And, you know, that it's more of a philosophy of life's a honeymoon and getting out there with a person you love and making members and having experiences. So, true. you know, we, we straddle the honeymoon niche where we can wear that hat, but we're also redefining honeymooning as, you know, not going to Sandals or doing a package resort and a cruise. It's about getting out there. So...
0: Couples adventure travel. Yes. You hit a couple of real interesting points that are incredibly relevant right now in the travel space. And that's the idea of, of pitching to brands and not just pitching with numbers, but pitching with, with who you are, who, who you serve, who you are, who your audience is. So maybe you can kind of tack to that, that sort of advice that you had for on the blogger side, but maybe some advice, offer some advice for the brand side about looking for just that right, that right, uh, What's the right word I'm looking for? The right ambassador for your brand, as opposed to someone who just has, you know, gaudy numbers. Can you speak on that?
1: Right. I mean, you want to, you want the person who's the authority in that thing. You have to be careful, of, you know, who is telling that story. And and for the blogger side, like, why are you the person to tell that story? And then for the brand to be really discerning and who they pick. Uh, one, that they're professional and they can actually deliver because... Um, you know, there's a lot of work behind any given campaign and, and follow through is huge and presenting yourself professionally and looking for that in a, in an influencer in the details of how they handle emails and, you know, silly things like spelling errors and all of that kind of adds up. So being, even though it's kind of like a laid back industry, it's still about professionalism. Um, and I
2: think like a, a, a few tips on that side, I think everybody needs a one sheet or media kit like a nice color, you know, one-sheeter that talks about your numbers, who you are, what you can provide for that niche. Let's say your niche, you know, um, you know, is cruising or whatever, then, then you want that to be all over your media kit and maybe you have a few different media kits if you straddle a few niches. And what I would say is find somebody in the industry, whether you meet them at TravelCon or you meet them down at the bar, and if they're in that industry, let's say they're a hotelier or they work on, you know, in PR for cruise companies, be like, would you mind if I send you my pitch in email as if it's a cold pitch, and you tell me what you think of it? Because you could be pitching people ten ways to Sunday, and they're never going to tell you what's wrong with your pitch. They're just not going to reply to you, or they're going to reply and say, "Sorry, we don't have the budget." But if you find somebody who's friendly, or you
1: have a friend in PR, exactly, or a, friend, your in a friend
2: in PR, or somebody you meet in a forum, say, "Hey, would you mind if I sent you a cold pitch?" And and I think that kind of thing will. Will help you elevate your game, but like Anne said, be professional, spell check everything, um, meet a ton of people, network like crazy.
1: Because the human connection is huge. You know, going to conferences, I I feel like we usually have success because you know we're real people, and it's not you know the more you can take it offline and make it human again, uh, goes a long way.
2: And one like little quick tip for brands, um, and I think this is known by a lot of people, and they hear it at conferences, and then they say, oh, okay, but it's still about the number of likes and followers like, yeah, we have 225,000 followers, which, which is nice and, and we're proud of that. But I think what's important to brands is much more about the niche that that follower is in, not just random, you know, beautiful girl taking beach photos that get 30,000 likes because 30,000 likes are nice. But are those beach followers going to book your trip? Are they actually coming? Are they interested in your region or your style of travel? So I think that's a lot more important than than that like and I know your boss says well how many likes did this photo get that we sponsored or how many followers does this person that we're paying $3000 to come and do a shoot for us but in the end it's a lot more about engagement and the niche that, that that person's in so comments on those photos are they real comments and not just you look pretty you know are they oh this is interesting like I'm thinking of visiting um, you know, Santorini next year as well. And your blog is really informative. And are they writing blogs? Because we, we do a little bit of both. We do social and we do blogs. And now we probably have a lot more social conversations between Instagram stories and, you know, Facebook lives and whatnot, but blogs are still important. And that kind of proves, like Ann said, your authority and that you're, that you can intelligently speak on a topic and not just look cool, or, or, you know, or fun on social, which is a little bit more fleeting and maybe doesn't have the staying power, the link juice, all the other value that, that blogs can provide to a brand.
0: You two do a wonderful job of just putting yourselves out there and your personality, letting the world really truly know who you are, what you're about, and who you want to serve. And whether you, I'm sure you just kind of have evolve that over the years. But at the same time, there's just a, an authenticity that you just can't manufacture that you guys clearly have and you provide to your followers. And there's just so much to learn from that. I mean, you, it's, you can't really teach someone to be authentic other than just tell them to be authentic. So, you, And you touched on the networking piece at, at TravelCon. I want to kind of go down that road a little bit. And this is kind of all connected. It's just that idea of, of forming hum, human connections, whether it's, it's networking Uh, in person or in social networking. So people out there who might be struggling with forming those, those one-to-one connections, what advice can you give for them?
1: Uh, I mean, definitely like go on wherever you live. There's some kind of travel meetup. I mean, travel massive is a great travel networking group that does really fun events and they're all over the world. That's a wonderful one to jump into. Also good old meetup.org has, you know, they, it really drills down to, you know, lgbt travelers to you know photographers to kind of finding your niche and your community because um not just meeting brands but finding your posse to help you and help each other boost things and share news and ask questions uh is really important is forming your community on the blogger side as much you know even more important than building your brands
2: and i have a, a- it
1: will lead to that eventually
2: yeah. I have a pretty concrete tip on when you are at a conference or at a meetup or a, or a travel massive or wherever you are and you meet somebody in the travel industry. And I don't care how small they are, if they're totally not your niche. But what I do, one of my, my favorite tips for people is when you meet somebody, always trade business cards, number one, because that way you they have your business card in their hand and something to refer back to. And it's another touch point of your brand. Maybe it's the next morning when they see it on, you know, their hotel bookshelf but they it's a touch point of your brand and then you have all of their touch points on social you have their email and what I like to do if I have a good conversation with somebody I jot a little note on the back of their card what we spoke about at that bar and I also write down what conference we were at so that later that week the following week I connect up with anybody cool and almost anybody that I meet with on all of their social platforms and I don't say anything to them but I follow them on Twitter I I find them on LinkedIn and I say, hey, great meeting you at TravelCon or TBEX. Let, let's keep in touch. So there's a LinkedIn connection. They see I'm professional because they go to my LinkedIn profile and see, oh, and that geo honey trek. So that all of a sudden elevates our relationship to where they, they look at that and say, ooh, wow, that's a cool idea. I have a partnership that maybe Mike would be good for. Where if I didn't reach out and connect on LinkedIn, they would just see honey trek and, and not go any deeper than that. So having a good LinkedIn profile and connecting with people and writing, writing a note down on your business card so that email is not just great to meet you somewhere. It's like, oh, it was awesome chatting with you about your trip to Barbados for SATW, looking forward to keeping in touch. It's like, wow, that guy really remembered me when really you j- jotted it down on a card because you met 800 people at that conference. But having that little extra touch point, I think, would make your connections and networking go a lot farther.
0: I agree. And And as someone who networks quite a bit, goes to conferences, you know, when you get those emails, those follow up emails, when you get home, you know, the ones that are just copy and paste and, you know, just just kind of blasted the spray and pray method. And then, you know, the ones... That where someone actually was paying attention to what you said, and it doesn't matter how they remembered the little detail about you. It's the fact that they, they, they took the time to write it down and put it in an email. You just, they immediately get elevated to, to a higher status in your brain, just involuntarily. And that's, that's really solid, concrete advice. So let's, let's, let's dive over into, into your book, and I, I wanted to kind of have this conversation in two parts. First, I want to talk about the process of, of writing a book. You guys, are, you guys do a lot of writing, so it maybe it's been easier for you than for some, but just tell me about that process of writing a book.
1: It's hard it's really hard. <laughs> it's, uh, you have to love it, right? Like you have to, like, it's fortunate that I really do like writing and Mike really likes photography and you know, editing is a pain for everybody, but, um, I
2: like editing. I'm
1: Oh, good. I'm glad like, I have a lot more photos to edit. Um,
2: <laughs> and text
1: and lots of text, but yeah, I think sometimes you think, Oh, I should write a book or everybody's coming out with an ebook. Like your heart has to be in it because books are not a great moneymaker. maker. Um, we wrote a book for National Geographic. It's doing quite well, but even still National Geographic, like it's hard to do gangbusters. So, um, we're still proud of that. It's still a part of your resume. Um, and a great will, calling card. And a great calling card. So if you can, if you, but you would, once again, you ha- you can't just do it because you think it'll sound good and be good for your resume. You have to wholeheartedly want it because it's a slow, slow process. Um, and also
2: like on the, on the marketing, I mean, Ned Geo had a team to help us market it during the book launch. And, you know, we, but still we do a lot of our own marketing and and promoting of the book. And and that's its own hustle um, is after the fact. It's not like you just write it and it just goes out there and all of a sudden tens of thousands of people buy it. Um, And I would say like it depends on the content, the subject matter. Yeah, if you're writing a biography or you truly love to write and you want to self-publish a book, great, go for it. It's another tool it's something you can sell to your email list or on your site that elevates you to say "Hey, I've got a printed book even if it is self-published on Amazon it's something your fans can hold and it makes them even more super fans but I think a self-published book isn't isn't going to open you know the same doors as having a large publisher so I wouldn't write a book just to try and elevate your game in the scene um but you know what I mean
1: yeah, no, it's tricky because I mean, a book maybe that doesn't do well, but maybe it leads to more email subscribers for you. And um, it yes, but it's it's all you got to do it for the right reasons, basically.
0: Yeah, well, and that's kind of the, the second part of the conversation that I wanted to, to get into is so you have you have the book, you've written the book, and then I, talk about just some of the some of the other benefits just of having a book. You mentioned you know using it as a calling card, and I'd imagine it opens up quite a few doors for you. So you talk about some of those doors that get opened or have opened for you from having that book.
1: Well, what's interesting also is because, okay, so the national Geographic we had gone around the world and they approached us and it was remarkable. And to have Nadia say, Hey, we write a book for us. Well, we're like, we'll figure that out. Yeah. Well, sure. We're on it. You know? So it was really, we had to step to the plate in a massive way. Now for the Falcon guides book on glamping, they also approached us. They saw we were doing a lot of glamping around the world and asked us to write it. We were just coming off the Geo book, totally exhausted, but you know, we thought about it and we're like this. It makes you writing a book makes you elevate your game. So say for example, our, fourth chapter of Honey Trek after how Sydney became buying a funny little vintage RV. It's a Toyota Sun Raider from 1985. We adore Buddy the Camper. Um, And we're like, well, we're going on a road trip around North America anyway. And we could just cruise, right? We don't need a thing. We know how to live affordably. Like, we don't need partnerships. Like, we got this. We don't need to have anyone open our doors. Well, you know what? Doing that glamping book made us push our game and go, you know, we are going to find this, like this incredible pair of biologists who started this like journey called bison quest where you go and do biological studies with them and help. You know, so it's like we would have never sought out that couple unless we were writing a book. So it's kind of, It's given us so many other stories beyond the book, too. So that is a huge side benefit. We have content for miles even beyond what's going to go on the page for that book. So we almost bailed at a moment, to be honest. And we were like, you know what? Let's do it. And I'm so, so glad we did because the experience we've had, the connections we've made are, you know, leaps and bounds above what we would have had if we didn't do a book.
0: Well, that's been so a that's theme not monetary,
1: throughout. that's life, that's life value.
0: Well, and that's been a theme. It's come up several times throughout this interview from both of you, just talking about the, the personal connections you make during your adventures and along the way. And just those, those, those memories, those lasting memories that are just transcend really any money or job or profession you could ever get into. And I just, I think that's. Gotta be one of the reasons why you guys have made such a great success out of it because that's such a huge part of what you're after. The you know the the why. You need to make money, you have to make a business to keep things moving, but your why and it is just so clear and just develop those strong, powerful, lasting memories that come with travel. You don't have to, you don't have to convince me this. Those are just beyond powerful. And I love that you guys have what you've created is amazing, and I love what you are willing to share and creating all this incredible content. So, talk about your, there's again another facet of your business which I love. Is you guys are into trip planning. Tell me about that.
2: Yeah, so we have kind of two different uh, two different services. Um, one is called Trip Coach, and that's for people who are doing two month to two slash seven year long journeys. You know, anything anything around the world type trip or or living abroad or kind of re- reshaping their life and, and doing and doing a big trip. That's Trip Coach. And then Honey Trek Trips.
1: Which is soup to nuts. Like we don't do any recordings. and Because that would obviously be easier and be far more scalable. But we know that everybody's situation is really different. And everyone has different concerns and things that they have to adapt to to make it happen. So it's really personal. And that's why we continue to do it. We've been I've been doing Honey Trek for almost five years. Because, the trip, trip coach, sorry, you mean? My trip coach. Yeah. Uh, for years because we love sitting down with people and helping them make that dream happen. Cause you can dream all day about travel, but getting out the door is really hard. So we've probably had, you I know, think like
2: we're at a 45
1: class, uh, yeah, couples, a couple, you know? Couple. So yeah, almost uh, yeah.
2: like 80, 80 different people that we've helped go on trips. And yeah, that is super inspiring, way more valuable than the money. Because like Ann said, all of we're our friends, friends. Well, okay. all of our friends in the affiliate game or like who also run courses are like, dude, that is so not scalable just record a video, record an entire session that you give somebody, slice it up and charge 150 bucks instead of 600 and you'll do way more than six times the business. But for us, it's not about the money. It's about being on that call and I've kind of got goosebumps right now if you could uh, if we were on video. like just knowing that you're affecting someone's life in such a positive way and that you can give them the skills to not make their trip a total cakewalk. But just kind of elevate them to get rid of all the kind of BS and stuff that you learn over that
1: unnecessary stress. Yeah. yeah,
2: the unnecessary stress and confusion. And some people who are not even sure they want to go on a trip and when they finish the course, they're like, it's on. I'm picking a date and announcing it to my family and friends. Like that is invaluable to know that you can give someone that gift. So that's why we keep doing trip coach.
1: And there's various levels of trip coach too, from an hour to a three hour to a two-weekend course. Yes yeah. at different prices. But and then the second piece is um we do get that not everybody can take you know months off and go travel the world, but they have lofty ambitions to have more local experiences and having far-flung adventures, and that's hard to pull off on the normal ten day vacation, but it's possible so we uh, actually partnered with a dear friend who we've known for over a decade who also has been around the world with her husband and who is a certified travel agent for Zell, so she gets all those benefits and perks that we actually can't get because she's a, uh, you know, a B2B person who has the inside deals with the hotels and the airlines and, and the booking platforms and stuff. So we together, we go big dreaming with somebody and go, okay, yeah, let's make that trip happen. And then we work with Melissa to actually like see it through soup to nuts, you know, ideation to, you know, did your plane on your return leg, not, you know, get canceled and, and fix that for you. So, um, that's been exciting hunting trip trips and uh, we're planning a killer honeymoon for a couple in Chile uh, right now. And
0: uh, yeah. Well, that is exciting. And what one note about those quote-unquote non-scalable one-to-one conversations. Tell me about, because in my mind, those conversations, yeah, I, when you break them down to their essence, they aren't scalable. But you get to have these incredible one-on-one conversations with your, essentially, your perfect reader, your your audience. Tell me about what you learn from them during those conversations that you actually can use in your business that can become scalable.
1: Oh no, we definitely always learn from the people we chat with, and we have like you know a, a we have we have a very like in depth manual that we work from, but we adapt it to everybody. So we're always constantly tweaking and improving because things also change too. We have to stay on our game, you know, because rules with mileage and credit cards and all that kind of stuff changes. Constantly, so it helps us push kind of forward. your head like forces yeah. you to like, like keep you your fingers on the pulse. Course the other night, and yeah, and I
2: read for like it was only, it was a three hour mileage course, and I read for probably five hours before the course, just like reading all sorts of like new tricks and you know open jaws and new chase policies and United policies on you know tacking on extra legs, and so I'm like constantly learning, and it, it forces you to to keep in touch there, and then yeah, and then you learn, and your course gets better. Every single time you, your course gets stronger and better as opposed to something pre-recorded where you're looking at it and you're like, well, that's two years old and a few things have changed, but it would take me another 15 hours to re-record all that video. So yeah. I'll just leave it roll. No, that's and true,
1: is that our, our course always stays really fresh too, because at any time you video something, redoing it is a oh, it's such a pain, right? So
2: And it kind of goes back to that original theme of like human connection is what we're in all this for, you know, our blog and getting paid by destinations to go review their place like that, that pays the bills to meet people, basically, like we're, we're finding ways to have more human experiences and, and trip coach and even trips too. even though they're shorter trips, you're still finding out about a person's dreams. And some people who do trips end up doing trip coach, because they're like, that was so cool. Let's do something bigger. We've got time when my husband, you know, takes a sabbatical or when I'm, you know, Something that that shakes up in their life. So we've had that happen, and, and that human connection with both of those people is worth way more than the income that comes from those services. And you know that's that's what's scalable is just, you know, the the human experience.
0: Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. So, I mean, those those ideas. Some of those best ideas come out of one to one conversations when I mean, you're right there with a human being who's telling you what they're struggling with, telling you their fears and their challenges and their struggles, and then you're in a unique position. Where you have a platform to help solve those those pain points and address those challenges, and then you know, scale it out from there, because there's certainly probably more people than just that one individual who's struggling with some specific issue that now you can use your platform to to help serve a wider <clears throat> excuse me a much wider swath of the of the traveling world. So, kind of looking forward. I'm going
2: to jump in. I yeah, want to jump on. in and say one thing that we don't do well because we're getting a lot of compliments here and hopefully giving a lot of good tips. But I'll say one thing that we don't do well. And maybe other people can learn from that. Um, and it's partly just because we're so busy with all these other initiatives. But we write, we love writing logs. So if you go to Honey Trek, you'll see our experience in 54 different countries and us meeting people and having that connection. And we like doing that. Like we get off on both having those experiences and sharing them and phot- photographing them, but What we don't do as well on Honey Trek is kind of sum up a lot of these points that we learn, whether it's mileage hacking or around-the-world trips or, like, we don't... I think
1: because we'd rather do it in person. I agree. We'd
2: rather do it in person. (laughs) But, like, there would be some value there. Like, if somebody, you know, and I think more about the funnels, the more conferences I go to, like, having those little teasers, like, you know, top five honeymoon yeah. resorts, or top five travel hacks, or oh, top that's five not on mileage the list hacks.
1: It's like been right? there. You have to do like a mini ebook on honeymoons. But yeah, but yeah you have that mini ebook,
2: job. and like, just so people know, like, the value of that is you give that away for free for somebody to sign up for your list, and then you get them engaged in your content, and then once they clicked, okay, I want the five travel, travel hacks. Even if you give them all of your travel hacks, you know, or let's say you give them five of your twenty travel hacks. And then a couple weeks later, you say, hey, want the full package? Like, here's our course. Give us a call, and we're going to make you a professional traveler, mileage hacker. Like, that's the real way to make that both scalable and and bring in a lot more revenue. Um, So I just wanted to kind of admit that we don't do that um, on our site, partly because we just have too much uh, other stuff on our plate and just love doing the travelogue side. And that just inspires people. So that's one avenue. But... um, yeah, I just want to throw that out there.
0: Well, sure, and that kind of leads into my next question, which you may have just even answered. But the question is going to be: What is what's the biggest challenge in your business right now?
1: It's. Uh, I mean back to the book. I mean, we are fully committed to finishing this book by March and it's really hard to multitask with the book. It just is like we, we told ourselves that as we were viewing properties for glamping, we'd be writing it all along. Well, you know what, when you're moving like a couple hundred miles a day and like, uh, you know, running around that property and, and photographing things and riding a horse and all that, it's just, it's just hard. So you have to Uh, we now have basically probably hurt our other parts of our business because we are now out of time. We need to sit still and do nothing about this book. So time management is a huge thing, but it's also like, I know we could have done it differently. I know we could have done it differently. So we, um, you know, it's good to have other pieces of our business kind of floating, getting the occasional call here and there, and we'll still take those, but we can't be actively out marketing and pitching right now because we just can only take the bare minimum really.
2: Which leads to like, you know, kind of full circle back to the original conversation of like bringing your burn rate down is just as important, if not more important than making a lot of money from your blog or side hustle. Like us having an extremely low burn rate allows us the the opportunity to say, let's go do a house sit for three months in Roatan and make pretty much no money from writing other things or working with tourism boards. And we're going to be here for three months. and not even blink an eye or think oh where is our income coming from and when i talk with my friends who are like still living in sf and and new york and they're like well i lost my job like i need to find something in the next 2 weeks to pay my rent i'm like you are in the wrong hustle man you're hustling a lot cuz i was in new york and i know what it's like but if you can't last you know 6 months doing exactly what you're doing which which we can like then then you need to rethink your burn rate and your needs. And that's kind of what allows us to chase these other dreams, like writing a book or, you know, backpacking or buying an RV and, and retrofitting that for a few months while we figure things out, like your options open up and it gives you time to focus on those things that you love, as opposed to the things that you need to do to make more money.
0: No, I love that. And this makes me think so other than, than buddy, the camper, do you guys have a a team, a virtual team around you?
1: No,
2: we do not. Um, we have, we have one virtual assistant actually who does like just a few small social things. But if you
1: know, any good ones, let us
2: know. <laughs> no, I mean, we're not, we, we, again, like we kind of like
1: it's personal, right? So, like, we let ourselves not grow huge almost because we still want to be that person answering comments. And yeah, we and, want to
2: be replying to the comments yeah. on our blog. And when we, you know, trade with other bloggers and comment on their posts and stuff, like, we don't, we don't want to outsource our voice and, and our brand. I mean, there's a few very mundane things that, that just take time, but uh, yeah, we have one virtual assistant who probably works, I would say, three hours a week for us, um, just because everything we do is Somebody so personal.
1: He's like, Are you accepting interns? We're like, Uh, why, yes, let me go through this large file for my intern applications. You're hired. Um, Shout
2: out to Ethan, yeah, oh the most gosh. amazing intern ever, yeah,
1: he's going to Wesley. And he's like a brilliant guy. He wanted to help us for, you know, just to learn more about how to travel. Block. For a so, full year. For, yeah, he, yeah. year and half. yeah.
2: So, yeah. And I think we provided some value for him and we would definitely oh, we throw him money when money money we had, and, and we helped him plan trips and we hooked him up with a, a potential job. So like we, we do a lot as, as much as we could to give back to him, but he was, um, uh, yeah, he, he was a godsend for sure.
0: Right. We're winding down on time here, guys, but before we go, I got to ask you as, Um, as business partners, as life partners, being on the road all the time, tell me about some challenges just as a couple on the personal side.
1: I mean, you're going to want to kill each other, you know, it's as this happens, but you also learn how you have to learn how to get over it. Right. So like, you're going to have these sort of like flame up moments, but then you're still on a deserted Island together and you need to make it work. So and that's good. Like, we are each other's support, and we know we have the other ones back for anything. And even the other one's down, you know, you pick the other one up, and, and you learn to, like, sometimes take a hike in a different direction and collect your thoughts. And we, we do this, like, ever so rarely. We're literally, like, attached at the hip. But when we do take a walk in a different direction, we come back, like, missing each other terribly. Like, sometimes you just need that little bit to reset and do that. Take those moments to reset because, you know, it's... It's not always perfect, but you, 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 um, you know, find the joy in, in simple things and and always find a way to reconnect. And
2: if somebody is like looking to start a business, you know, with their spouse or their girlfriend, I mean, there's two schools of thought like we did, we'd never run a business together and we just jumped right in. Honey trick didn't start out as a business. It just started out as a blog, which I think was, was good. We didn't start out thinking, okay, we, now we need to make money to pay for this trip together. That might've been a little more stressful. But you could also start things small, whether you want to do a trip or a business, like do something small together, do a one or two month trip, as opposed to just jump right into a one year trip and do or it
1: for you. Right. I think, I think that is a piece of the success for honey Truck is that we exactly that it, would, it wasn't the pressure of like, this needs to be a hit. We're like, are doing this for us. And you know what? No matter what happens, like this will still be for us and we will have gained a lot. Yeah. It won't together. be a failure if we don't make yeah. money. It'll yeah. be a success. Be just a, a different kind. If you're having fun.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, that, that's remarkable. And it's, and it's really special because I know I just me personally, and there's probably a lot of your readers who might imagine themselves in your shoes, what that must be like to, to be just not just traveling with your spouse, but, but creating, creating with your spouse and running a business with your spouse. That's incre- I mean, incredibly, incredibly challenging. But at the same time, maybe just some of the lifestyle choices you've made, just sort of like things to decrease your burn rate. They're also de- decreasing your stress rate, which can probably only do good things for your relationship. I would imagine at least just cause so many people just fight about money. And if you guys never have to fight about money, God, you guys are, you know, half the battle is won.
2: Yeah. And the reward, like there is more, you know, there's, there is high levels of stress sometimes, not too often, but the, that reward is so much greater when you can see your name on a book or know that you influenced, say, you know, some somebody's trip or around the world journey, like that reward is so high that, like I alluded to before, when you look at those small little fights, you're like, okay, let, let's forget about that. And like, just think about all these amazing things we just put in our newsletter from the past 30 days, like that that kind of elevate, that reward is really great. Um, and it just washes away any of those little stripes or, or tips that you have, which everybody has. You know, it's not because you're on a beautiful beach taking Instagram photos that, that fights don't happen. Like, you know, they happen and you just got to do more such amazing things that they make those fights not as important as or if also, they were the only thing. You, you know,
1: what's funny is like I feel like because we move, 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 like we're crazy, like we just move a lot. Like something, we are super boring here in Roatan, let me tell you. We are just loving having a hammock and a view. Sometimes you need to do that, and that brings us closer too, you know? It's to have a moment to kind of like absorb what just happened, you know, because sometimes you don't appreciate because it all flies by. So it's nice to have those like recalibrations.
0: Yeah. Well, it's debatable whether swinging in a hammock is truly boring, but I appreciate what (laughs) you're saying, just that that, that time to reflect and and enjoy – and like you said, the rewards of, of your hard work, of the relationships you've built, of the, just the great positivity you've put out into the world. It's really, it's really special and you should reflect and enjoy that. You deserved it. You've earned it. So Mike and Ann, before we say goodbye, last question, and you guys can answer together or separately on this one. I asked this to every one of my guests, cause I like to give credit to all the wonderful people who help us in our businesses and in our lives. Who has had the biggest positive impact on your business besides yourselves?
2: Hmm. Positive impact on our business. That's a good question.
1: Uh, I will give a shout out to Reiner Jens of Family Travel Association. He has been an incredible support for us. Um, he, uh, from the very get-go of taking the leap to even travel, we were we met him before we left, to um, nurturing our writing and helping us, you know, with, with the whole book process and... Just having a champion and someone you can go to uh, with questions. He's an incredible professional. He was a publisher for years and an entrepreneur. So I will give him a shout out.
2: And I will give a shout out. And this has nothing to do with TravelCon. But I will give a shout out to a dear friend of ours, Erica Virvo. Um, And it's not so much on the business side, although she knows how to hustle that. And, you know, all the things she runs for Nomadic Matt. But it's about kind of her attitude and... And her love of people and life, and if you've seen her shares on social, uh, she wears her heart on her sleeve in a major way, and she she travels to love people. She doesn't travel to produce content or get the next Instagram photo or get free comps. She travels to love people, and that kind of inspires me and us to to, to continue that, to keep that a part of our mission, because it's very easy once you hit a certain level to be like, oh. Let's do this partnership and make even more money. Oh, two weeks later, or two days later, let's go on another partnership and just string these monies together without seeing the people that that you're there to capture and, and share a story. And she kind of keeps us on our toes there. And uh, so that's that's inspiring to me.
0: That's beautiful. Beautiful. Uh acknowledgements there and it's great to surround yourself with th- with these incredible people that can keep you moving keep you inspired and just keep you living the dream we've been chatting with Mike and Ann Howard from Honey Trek uh, you can check them out at honeytrek.com and while you're there you can check out their book Ultimate Journeys for Two and Mike and Ann can also help you plan a one to three week long vacation with Honey Trek trips which you can find at honeytrek.com slash trips or if you really want to go for it plan your three to twenty four months month-long journey around the world at honeytrek.com slash trip coach and finally you can find mike and ann all over social media they're at honeytrek on all the socials that's at h-o-n-e-y-t-r-e-k mike and ann howard thanks so much for taking the time out of your your very busy day there in uh, on the beach in Roatán, honduras thanks so much
2: thank you thanks for having us
0: If you create travel content, then you know how important it is to truly connect with your audience, and podcasting is simply a phenomenal way to create those intimate connections. Podcasting lets you use the power of your voice to share your message, change people's lives, all while expanding your influence and growing your business. My friend, podcasting is a huge part of my dream life, and I want to help make it part of yours too. So if you're ready to start using the power of your voice, take that first step by going to dramaticpodcasting.com and there you're going to find everything you need to start your podcasting journey from how to create and launch your podcast to how to grow your audience and start making money. It's all there, my friend. It's at dramaticpodcasting.com.